everybody. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Let's Make Some Shit podcast. As always, I am your host, Ray, and I am here with my awesome... I'm trying to think of a new one. Awesome, beautiful, <laughs> smart co-host, Resonance. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic today. How are you? I'm doing good. So, um, what you been up to this week? Have, what have you made this week? What you been up to? What are you doing? Um, well, this week we went and put some of my uh, pickle entries into the fair. So that was fun. Um, I did a spicy chow chow and some dill pickles and a spicy dill relish. But they don't try any of them. It's just based on like what it looks like. So Really? <laughs> yeah, I know. I thought I was bringing, like I brought extra. So there was one for display and one for them to open. But no, they don't even open any. So oh, that's dumb. I know. It's just how does it look? Does it look prettier than the other entries? So. <laughs> I feel like that's the case with a lot of things, like even like the USDA rules on eggs and everything. It's more about their shape and appearance, you know, than the quality of the eggs. And when I was trying to go to school for architecture, we had to turn in a portfolio and mine was like so creative. It was awesome. But like they wanted something just like plain and on a computer and everything just like oh you put so much work into it nobody actually looks at the work you do or taste your food you know it's like come right. on <laughs> I know but I saw some of those artsy things that people have done before where they like cut the cucumbers into fancy shapes and stuff and I want to try that next year and do like a, a real pretty can for the fair that's cool. Well, good luck with that. I, Thanks. I hope you do well still either way. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. And then we've also been still preserving foods here. Uh, still getting a lot of okra. I've got freezer full of zucchini and okra. And then the squashes. I'm trying to cure the squashes, but it keeps raining. So. Um, oh, okay. Just cure them for preservation. Like, yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah, but that's about it. We've had a pretty slow week as far as making shit goes. Yeah, I I have too. I have some portraits that uh, have a deadline that need to get out. So I've been doing a lot of drawing, but um, I did make some tapache, which is a fermented pineapple drink. The it's a Mexican drink, so it would be kind of like same basic concept as with the ginger bug, but it uses the pineapple rinds instead of ginger, and I guess it. Like a, the authentic recipe calls for, like whatever that Mexican sugar is. That I want to say panicello or. I have no clue, man. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, I use brown sugar, but so that's going. And I uh, made some brioche bread dough the other day, and it just came out of the oven. And oh my gosh, it smells Yummy. so good. Our roommate's like, "Oh my gosh, can we eat this now?" It's like, "No, we gotta wait." <laughs> <laughs> it's not ready. Yeah, I got a lemon tree at the farmer's market yesterday, so I'm going to plant that. Woohoo! Yeah, so not a lot of making stuff, I guess, but, um, you know. Still making progress. Yeah, because I'm excited for the tapache. So, um, last night, I was kindly introduced to be on a food panel held by your hubby, Agora, the podcast. And, oh man, it was so humbling to be with such, you know, great, intelligent people in the panel. And um, 
it was about how food is used as a weapon and um, I got kind of nervous and maybe didn't say a lot of things I wanted to say and I won't, you know, I should definitely go listen to that so I won't repeat a lot of things. But I feel like at the end, one of the questions that was posed was what can we do to use food as a shield? And I think a lot of things that we do on this podcast kind of fall into that category, you know, especially Absolutely. with the canning episode that we did last week. And then I think what we're going to be talking about today is very much in line with that. And today we're going to be talking about seeds and seed saving and the importance of that. Um, and we're joined by one of my favorite people in the whole world, no categories attached, my <laughs> husband, Dagorist. Yay. So welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, ladies. Hey. I'm glad you're on. Mm, thanks. So did you want to start off by telling uh, the audience a little bit about yourself and how you got to be where you are as a agorist, homesteader, and... General weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> certainly, certainly am a general weirdo. Uh, but um, so I, I don't know, I guess how far we want to go back. I don't know. We've had the property here for the farmstead for, for going on about eight years now. We got it back in 2014. So, you know, I'd sort of lived in everywhere from the country to the city and varying, you know, places and degrees up to, you know, my mid 20s and just sort of, I don't know got a little sick of it and just sort of wanted to get back out of the country and get into, you know, like homesteading. Uh, basically we had seen the documentary food Inc a few years before and my man, Joel Soliton in it and it sort of got me thinking about things a little differently and kind of wanting to do that, you know, uh, started reading his books, started learning how to garden, reading business books about small farming, managed to get, hold of a piece of property um we've it was just a big sandbox when we got it and we've been slowly building it since um i really feel like the last couple of years there's some noticeable differences it's looking really good if i do say so myself but sort of going down that path uh sort of parallel with getting into like some some liberty stuff and just sort of realizing that every the general way that we've been taught the world is or or i I don't even know what I'm saying. Just everything was just such a big scam, you know, and I sort of started feeling like, well, what can I do, you know, for myself, my family, my community, the world, et cetera. Uh, and really sort of started going from, you know, let's say like ANCAP-ish to agorist in, in that regard, just because it's, well, here's action I can take, you know, here's things I can do. So, you know, voting didn't seem like a way out of any of this and, and really, I don't know what, you know, on the grander scheme solutions are, but I feel like if we sort of take ourselves, our our small piece of land that we have and do the best we can with it, that's about the best thing we can do for, again, ourselves, our community, our families, the world in general. So that's just sort of been our, our, our goal here is, you know, let's be as self-sufficient as possible. And then really the last two years, you know, it's really become apparent. It's like, okay, I think we made the right choice. You know, I think we, I think we made a good bet on going the, uh, the homesteading route for everything from food security to just general quality of life. You know, it's as I, I know, you know, it's just such a look, I love technology, you know, as much as the next dude, uh, really, I wouldn't be alive without it. I think a lot of us can say that, but we were just having a conversation with the roommate this morning. It's like a, 
are, are we meant to live this way? You know, what level of technology is the right level, <laughs> you know? So trying to get a little more simple, trying to just be happier, trying not to do the, you know, the nine to five rat race kind of thing, trying to avoid that as much as possible. And, you know, we don't mind working. We just want to work on our own stuff. So, yeah, we just here the last couple of years been trying to make the farm business um, come about. We do the pasture raised uh, chickens. We do a lot of meat birds. We've done some of the turkeys. We're, you know, we do eggs. We're trying to get the garden going again. We do the farmer's markets. We're trying to get as many side hustles as we can for both money and just our own security. So uh, I guess I guess we're going to talk about seeds. I guess I can go down that route. Yeah. So yeah. I generally don't even know what prompted you to start Agurus Acres one day he was like I'm starting a seed company <laughs> <laughs> okay well, okay that's, awesome. that's, that's that's actually uh, it's an interesting story but that's notable um I basically was trying to with this in the spirit of side hustles trying to find an e-commerce business that we could run you know in the liberty community there's somebody that does everything right so you have a way to support what have you and this was this was, I guess, the end of 2020 or mid 2020 ish. And it just sort of hit me. I was like seeds. And the big thing was you couldn't buy seeds anywhere. It was getting difficult to buy seeds. Uh, the, you know, some states oh, were having yeah, issues yeah. where you couldn't we go to, to Lowe's. Yeah. yeah, we went to the Walmart here and they had the seeds wrapped around with caution tape. Like you could literally mm-hmm. walk in the store, go buy your own groceries, go buy t- dish towels, but you couldn't buy seeds. And I thought that was freaking ridiculous. Well, it's because gardening is a domestic uh, extremist behavior. (laughs) (laughs) So there was the store situation, but even like seed, like online seed stores, like Johnny Seeds. I love Johnny's. I'm not talking trash about them. They're they're, they're pretty big. They're an employee-owned company. I don't know if that just means they own stock or, or what. But at any rate, you know, it's... It's a cool deal. They have a lot of a lot of stuff. But you if you were just a person, you could only order seeds like one day every fortnight. Basically, they would they would ship them to you. If you were a business, they shipped them more a little more often. But because of staffing issues at some of these seed places because of covid regulations, they couldn't have a full staff or whatever. They just weren't getting seeds out. So there's this huge wait time. At the same time, people are home. They're trying to garden. They're saying, hey, this world might be falling apart. (laughs) Maybe I should learn to garden, which is great. People should. But they were having a hard time getting seeds. So for our own security, because we like to garden farm, you know, we like to stock a lot of seeds. So I just figured, let me just buy a little bulk, you know, and all these seeds, chop them up and sling them out. And that's going to provide security for us. That's going to provide security for our community, you know, our greater community, you know, you're friends of ours and you live several states away. We've got friends all over the country, just the general Liberty community. Hey, let me service the Liberty community here. Make sure that we have seeds, you know, if Johnny's ain't serving, if Walmart ain't serving, you know, I got you. So it was sort of a way to secure our own seed supplies. And, hey, if we make some money in the process, hey, let, let's do it. But we're acting as a battery for everyone else, too. We've got your seeds. You know, if you're, you know, we got you. Uh, yeah, so, no, because yeah. you guys have all, like, we've come to you with, sev- like, several different requests. And you've always come through. Yeah, and that's, and we, we love that because it's like, well, what do I stock? You know, I want to stock what people want. So I don't just want to buy a bunch of stuff and have it go bad, obviously. Right. So you know, anything that people want is great. And then, and then finally we had said, well, let's sell for crypto. I don't know of any other seed companies at the time we started anyhow that accepted crypto. So we've got crypto on the website, nice and easy and sticking with the, you know, the Agora theme. Uh, yeah. yeah. So that was, 
that was how that that was how that happened in the thought process there. And I mean, so far it's worked out pretty good. You know, I'm not you know banking off of it, but I haven't spent any money on seeds, and we're pretty well stocked. <laughs> you know, That's so it's good. If, yeah, so yeah. Like supplied your own seeds, and you haven't had to put out that extra uh, money for it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Sweet. So. So, um, you want to talk about you know the importance of saving your own seeds yeah i'd love to talk about that so obviously i run a business selling seeds but i encourage people to do their own seed saving and just a note real quick if anybody out there does have a particular seed or something that they grow reliably for seed and they grow pure seed and they want to sell bulk seed talk to me because i'd rather buy seeds from small farms you know oh, other homesteaders yeah. than you know <laughs> Where I don't I don't even know where a lot of these seeds come from to be honest you know it's it's really hard to find that out and finding wholesalers is actually kind of difficult so uh, my goal is I want to be able to tell you where they came from and then support small farmers too but at any rate uh yeah I mean saving your own seeds is something that you can you can definitely do it a lot of cases it's very easy or simple might be the better way to say that. But, you know, you want to be selective. It's very easy to think you're going to just save seeds of everything you grow. But some things, they need to be in the ground a very long time. Some things might not produce seed reliably in your climate. So, like, for instance, carrots. We can grow carrots pretty well over winter. But carrots are like a biennial crop. I think I'm saying that right, where sometimes they take two years to produce seeds. So we're not going to be able to have them survive through summer here. So carrots might be difficult for us. Whereas I very successfully, very easily grown like a gallon of bok choy seeds so that's great but you have to keep in mind the family so bok choy is a uh barassica i might be mispronouncing some of these please everyone bear with me i'm terrible with this but it's a barassica so that's broccoli you know that's uh, collard green. yeah co- oh, no, sorry, no sorry yeah brussels collards sprouts. yeah brussels sprouts collards i mean mustard it's half the stuff you grow in your garden is a brassica. So you might have issues with cross pollination there, which if it's just for stuff in your own garden, if your kale crosses with another variety of kale, or, I mean, you might get, that's how they make a lot of these cool new greens. So you might get something cool, but you just, you know, you have to bear in mind that, you know, trying to sell bok choy seeds when it's actually been pollinated with broccoli, you might have a bad time. So, you know, there are some things that, that are worth looking into if you choose to, if you choose a crop to save seeds for, you know, how, what kind of distance you need for space for cross-pollination. Some things it's, you know, again, brassicas, they can be several hundred feet up to like a quarter mile that these things can cross-pollinate. So if your neighbor's growing something, you know, you might actually have issues where something like a nightshade, like tomatoes, they actually pollinate themselves more often than not. So a lot of times 25, 50 feet is an acceptable distance between two varieties of peppers to grow them uh sometimes you just want to keep in mind you know if you just stagger when the things are flowering you can get around some of this stuff so you grow your broccoli seed you know the beginning of the season and you grow your bok choy seed the end of the season you know however it works out so there's a lot of things to keep in mind some plants you know they might need two sexes uh some plants self-pollinate and as anybody who's grown cucumbers might know, if they don't pollinate well, you get kind of goofy fruits. So there can be some ins and outs, but let's let's talk about a couple easy ones first. So one of my favorites is basil. Basil's very easy to collect seed from. It, you know, anybody who's grown basil knows it bolts after a couple months. You get the beautiful flowers and then you get the seeds. They're pretty easy to collect and they tend to have a really good success ratio of germination. So basil is a great one to start with. Another one I love is uh uh, coriander, 
which is why I'm blank cilantro. Mm-hmm. Of course, cilantro, you plant that thing once and it bolts pretty quickly and you do it right. You will get a big bag of seed. You'll never have to buy that one again. The coriander is a spice. It's also the seed. Uh, that's also one that you have to replant often. So it's a good one to make your own seed because if you're just buying coriander seed or cilantro seed, and you want to have it very regularly, you're going to go through a lot of seeds. So it just makes sense to save that one yourself. What uh, if, um, like, you have cilantro and you just have, like, an area and you let it bolt and would it, like, drop seed and then the cilantro would c- continue to grow in that spot? Or It, it that- can. It's going to okay. be a, an, an if or a but because, like, us, okay. for instance, we where we live where it's hotter, the cilantro bolts really quickly and then it gets bitter and doesn't taste good. So sort of growing in succession is nice, but it might not survive the summer. So it just depends sort of on your environment and how quickly it bolts. If you're somewhere where it's cooler, you know, you might get longer time that the cilantro tastes good before it starts yeah. bolting. But, I mean, whatever works for you ultimately. I mean, any any I'm going to go ahead and say anything I tell anybody about gardening is – what works for you, man, you know, for sure. Right. I think there's some seeds that probably would benefit from that. You know, there's a lot of seeds that need cold stratification mm-hmm. before they will sprout, you know, so a lot of people, if the climate's not necessarily right outside, will bring them in and stick them in their fridge for a few months to simulate winter. And, you know, there's probably a few more things that we have to do that for in Florida. But I imagine like some of those plants, maybe if they drop their seeds just outside, you know, you could skip that step. So I think just kind of, you know, knowing your plants and uh, it came up in the chat yesterday during the, the food panel, you know, there's a lot of people who just that don't garden that just assume that gardening is so easy. Oh, you just stick these seeds in the ground and, you know, let mother nature take care of it. And then you get food, to, you know, but there's and you, and you pick the knowledge up as you go, you know, but that's why it's important to kind of start learning these skills now, just kind of learning the differences in your plants, you know, like, you know, between the, you know, the brassicas and, um, you know, the other ones and, uh, just learning which seeds take what and how to save them and everything. Yeah, absolutely. And there's learning the families, like you said, is a, is a big, a big thing because then you learn what can cross with each other. So like your squashes, for instance, that's a pretty vast family as well. Like everything from squash, watermelon, cucumber, you know, that can all be the same thing. Kirkabits, exactly. So, (laughs) and, and, and there's, you know, if somebody has a good recommendation for a book, let me know. There's a couple books I found that have some decent information about seed saving, uh, but I haven't. It's been a couple years since I've looked, but I really had a hard time finding books just dedicated to that. I thought there would be more information out there, but you know, the the age of the internet. I mean, it's it's all out there. But but like we were saying before, go with what works for you. Like if you have a place, we've all had volunteer stuff, right? Where mm-hmm. tomatoes just keep coming back in this spot yeah. or whatever. If you find a spot they do, it's probably a good spot for them. They must like it. So it's like work with that. You know, go go permaculture and say, okay, well, if basil just keeps regrowing here every spring, I'm going to grow my basil here. <laughs> you know, let's just, <laughs> let's just rock with it. I've had that happen, like, unintentionally a few times in a few places and just kind of like, oh, great, it's just kind of taking care of itself. But usually after a few years, they stop doing that. And yeah. I don't know if it's because the bugs the, find them or the, <laughs> the number of ones that actually do recede probably diminishes after a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, I mean, I wouldn't say that's kind of like a foolproof plan for sure. forever for plants, you know, but but by that way, you might find which ones do come up easier than others and, you know, spend more time on the ones that need to be planted every year versus ones that you kind of can just let reseed. 
Yeah. We've got several places where cherry tomatoes just pop up every year, like all over the place. Um, and this is, I think year three of that. Uh, so I don't ever plant cherry tomatoes. Like I know for a fact there's going to be plenty out there. <laughs> yeah, my bother with are, the work? Tomatoes are good at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tomatoes, since we're mentioning tomatoes uh, and seed saving, tomatoes can be, you know, it's funny because they volunteer so easily, but to actually save seed, there's some extra steps you're supposed to take sometimes. I don't think it's 100% necessary, but if you want to be a little more efficient and have a better better germination result, uh, there's plenty of videos and stuff. But you do a slight, like, fermentation process. You take the, uh, you take the seeds and you was like you soak them in water for a couple days until this process happens and then you take them out and dry them this not only clears out some of the bad seeds but basically you know we look at how the plants were i don't know how to phrase this designed by nature i i guess we'll <laughs> cover all the bases of evolution <laughs> but um but you look at how these seeds were designed and a lot of times they're designed to be eaten by birds first so they have like a coating on them so they survive the digestive system they're pooped out and then they're ready to grow. And tomatoes and sometimes peppers can be like that as well, where they want to have this fermentation process to take that sort of coating off so that they germinate better and more efficiently. So that can be worth looking into sometimes. Uh, tomatoes are the biggest one that jumps to mind for that. There is one, and I, I can't remember, but it's kind of recently that I learned about it. I think it's maybe a plant that's native to South America, and it's kind of a rare but sought-after plant, and it is one that... Is it co cocoa or something? Um, or co cocoa they ferment in big piles or something. Yeah. yeah, maybe it was that, but like it has to. I thought there was one that had to go through the digestion of like a certain animal, even or something. Oh, That's yeah, like there's like a bat thing. Coffee, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it like a big cat. I knew yeah. it was something. Yeah, um, but but I mean, even still, I mean, as we've all experienced, how tomatoes do just kind of grow on their own. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I guess I'd probably say that isn't always necessary for it to work but i guess you're yeah. trying to save them and plant them next year or something you might yeah, need I think to go through a, that process right it's a germ a percentage of germination i think they're higher yeah. uh, because some people i've seen they just take a slice of tomato and just throw that in a pot and throw dirt over it and boom you get 100 tomatoes that, yeah. that grow and then you, you take them and you separate them you know you pick them out and separate them uh one other thing that we definitely want to note for people for seed saving is that the time you eat the fruit might not be the best time to take the seed out of it. We eat a lot of fruits before they're really 100% like ripe. So I, I'm going to take a second here to um, to rail on something. There's this meme that floats around and, you know, it probably sort of works, but it's talking about how, like you were saying, how easy it is to garden, you know? You go to the store and you buy one green pepper and you take the seeds out of it and you grow 100 green pepper plants and boom, you know? And I just, I want to say that typically green peppers aren't ripe yet. So the seeds might not actually be as viable as they could be uh you know peppers ripen to red or yellow typically so a green pepper is an unripe bell pepper so in that spirit if you're trying to grow a bell pepper for seeds you want to let it get to the point where it's basically rotting off the plant you know you don't want a green pepper you want to let it ripen to red or orange or whatever it's supposed to ripen to purple in some instances but but then the seeds are going to be then the, then the seeds are going to be more viable. So uh, peppers are a big one. Tomatoes are another one. You want them to be really good and ripe. Uh, cucumbers, zucchinis. That's going to be an inedible fruit by the time the <laughs> seeds are ready, you know, to harvest. So keep that in mind. You know, if you go to the store and buy a cucumber, the seeds in it might not be that viable. And I don't recommend those varieties anyhow. But, but just, you know, you 
if you're really saving for seed, you're, you might let it get to the point of basically riding off the plant. So it's worth noting. Well, uh, Resonance, you said you're growing okra, and yeah. that's one that we mm. saved a lot of seeds from before. Because sometimes if you are intending to save seeds, you just let that fruit dry up all the way on the plant, you know, and then they're, you know, the go from white to black and a lot of times seeds have that almost kind of like color indication to when they're mature um but that's a good one just let your your left however many you want dry up mm-hmm. on the vine and there's your seeds exactly well, Beans, i was gonna food. ask you a question about that because i like i've noticed i took so I've, i opened some of the larger okra pods and let those seeds dry and then i have some that i let dry on the inside the pod itself and there was a notable difference between the two so i was gonna ask if there's like specific or vegetables or fruits that you know of that it's better to let it dry like within the pod or remove it from the pod or if that's even an issue and we should just put them all leave them all in the pods until it's time to get the seeds i like whatever possible to leave in the pod to leave in the pod for a variety of reasons. And one of the biggest is just ease of harvest of the seeds. Mm-hmm. Um, but you are also, so the big asterisk on this is in some cases, depending on your weather, you could have mold problems if you right, leave them Yeah. Too Cause I've had that I, issue with mm-hmm. the okra in the pods, like mold growing I, I on it and then well. I got to throw it out. And yeah. um, with our roselle, same thing. When we save the roselle seeds, you let the, you let the calyxes dry and some of them might be a little moldy, but a lot of that depends on the weather. Was it a rainy week? You know, so yeah. that can be a little hit or miss, but I like um, beans. If you leave them in, in the pod to dry, uh, they're going to be the easiest to uh, to harvest. Uh, even with like the uh, the the bok choy that that we did, um, and you could even say with this with like radishes, same kind of thing. So it Black grows. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So with like the bok choy or the radish, it grows up in these pods. If you let the pods dry. The pods are kind of small. They're full of seeds. But you take and you know you grab the the stalk and you can with your hand in one swoop you know clear all the pods off, pull them all off by grabbing the stalk. Then you take all those pods and I put them in like a plastic container. Let's say a big coffee container, a one-gallon coffee container. I put them all in there, put a couple weights in there, like some nuts and bolts or something, and just, you know, drank a beer and shook it for 10 minutes or so. And by the time you're done, you know, you shake it, all the seeds go to the bottom, all the husks rise to the top, and I just sort of scoop the husks out. And in not that long, I had more bok choy seed than you could ever use in a lifetime. Um, you know, the actual harvest putting in the thing so finding a way to mechanically get some of these, these seeds out of there can be a big help too All right, this is what you do you get half a dozen friends to come over everybody gets their own jar everybody drinks a beer shakes their hands <laughs> together and you'd be like a little drum circle kind of deal. <laughs> you know six fold up uh, oh, yeah. but i think i think beans too like let's say uh string beans or whatever there's a, a like there might be so, like, the machinery for this is, like, really simple. It'll have uh, uh, something that'll agitate the beans and then something that blows air. And the air blows away the old dry husks and the beans fall into the hopper. So, they're like, even the machinery that does this on larger scales is usually pretty simple. I think for, like, corn and, like, maybe soybeans, they, they use, like, a seed shaker machine. So, a guy comes around with a trailer and it just vibrates the, the corn seed, you know, the, the grains off of there. So, a lot of this machinery is very mechanically simple so you can just sort of think if you even look at how the machinery operates that harvest the stuff in mass 
you can sort of get an idea on how to do it on a smaller scale, you know, simply. But but yeah, little, little things like that are, are are pretty simple to do to actually harvest um, a lot a lot of seed very easily. Some are a bit more labor intensive though. Yeah, saving seeds can be tedious, especially when you get to plants that have very tiny seeds. We grew tobacco one year, <laughs> and the seeds are like like a fraction of the side of a poppy seed. You know, they're just so small and sometimes like digging through. But I don't know. I think it's totally worth it. What I've kind of been employing recently, especially with a lot of my herbal plants that I've been trying to grow or maybe some more exotic kind of plants um, is like buy one plant and then let it mature, harvest as many seeds as you can from it. And because I, I don't usually like to buy just one plant and hope that it lives. I usually buy like three, you know, but if you use that plant to save seeds, kind of learn about the plant and then you don't have to buy it anymore, you know, right. and, and maybe certain plants, maybe ones that are too tedious, if you don't have the time, maybe don't worry about those, but ones that you use a lot, you know, and that are easy. You just start with a couple. You don't have to save seeds, save seeds for everything you grow, but if you start with a couple before you know it, you have a collection of seeds <laughs> that you save for yourself. And, uh, you know, as much as we'd like you to use agorist acres and we'll got you when you need us yeah. but you know save your own seeds <laughs> yeah and, and and on that note i want to actually two things one seed growing things from seed isn't always the best option um i don't have rosemary seed on the site i'll get it eventually but growing rosemary from seed is a pain when it propagates and clones oh so easily yeah. It's also something that can vary plant to plant for the taste. So if you go over to your auntie's house and she's got a rosemary plant and you really like it, it's so easy to take a cutting of that. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you grow from seed, it's they're tiny seeds. They're very – it's not easy to grow some things from seed like that. You can, but then you might end up with 10 plants. You don't know how they taste till you grow them out where, again, you can just take one rosemary plant and there are some – it just propagates so easy, easily. You can just bend one of the branches over throw dirt on top of it in the middle and it'll root under that dirt within a few weeks and you can just cut it off and have a new plant. So a, for the hustlers out there, it's a very easy way. If you have a rosemary plant or two to make baby rosemaries and sell them for $5 a piece, uh, you know, at your local farmer's market or whatever. Sweet. Uh, yeah. So, you know, know that some things propagate easy and those can be money machines, you know, anything that you can just cut into a hundred pieces, have a hundred of and sell them in a couple months. That's great. Keep that in mind. Um, can I, um, a, a good book for plant propagation, and I don't remember if it talked about seed saving. I'm sure it did, but um, David the Good has a plant about propagation, and it's just a really good book. Mm-hmm. It's really um, free plants for everyone. Short and very easy to read. He writes in a style, like a very conversational um, style that's enter- really entertaining, um, but that's a really good book if everybody wants. It talks about like air layering and all those different kind of like, grafting, you know, kind of more mm-hmm. um, intense forms of plant propagation. But that's a good point that, you know, I think a lot of perennials are notoriously hard to grow from seed and a lot of it's because they are slow growing. So, yeah, taking cuttings might be the way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or ordering, you know, instead of planting a tree from seed, sometimes, you know, you can go on Etsy and, you know, we can order like like mulberry trees. And what I think we got for like 30 bucks came in a box, three mulberry sticks and you put them in the ground and, the, and they grow. But, yeah, I mean, trying to grow like something like that from seed would be like strawberries. Great example. Growing strawberries from seed are a nightmare where you can just buy bare roots 
you know, seedlings, you can order them online and it, it just, it just cuts you right to the chase. So like, yeah, if you want to grow strawberries, like don't, I'm not going to stock strawberry seeds because I mean, maybe one day as like a survival thing in case you can't just order bare roots things and you really want strawberries, but for practicality by the, by the bare roots cuttings, you know, there's a lot of places that sell them. They, they work, you know, and you're going to get straw. You're going to have a better time. You're going to get strawberries. You try growing them from seed. It's going to take a year. And I mean, do it, do it for a fun project. I mean, I've always wanted to try it. I actually ordered seeds years back and never was able to actually grow a strawberry plant. So, you know, <laughs> you could be better than me for sure. But it's just some stuff. It's just so much easier to just order a tree. One of the things down here with us is citrus. And like if you plant a citrus tree from seed, it takes like 15 years to get fruit. Whereas if you buy a tree, somebody's done this whole grafting magic and you get a tree that produces fruit in four years. So... You know, by all means, plant your lemon trees from seed and grow them. And then 15 years when you get fruit is an amazing thing. And it's fun. And that's awesome. But if you want fruit soon, buy your citrus trees. Speaking of that, I have a lemon seedling in the sunroom right now. <laughs> oh, we all do. We've yeah, all, one we've of, got one of my friends <laughs> gave me it. Like she gave me three and I only have one left alive. And I'm just like, don't die on me, baby. <laughs> oh, trust me. I have plenty of citrus trees that I started from seed years ago. And they're maybe a foot and a half tall. <laughs> well, they're still alive. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. They are. <laughs> we, we live in the place for it. You know? Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do like it when it gets cold. I, it's in the sunroom, but it doesn't get like super warm in there, so I don't know. We'll see. Bring it inside. I have one other thing that I want to make sure we talk about for seeds, if I may. Yeah. Uh and it's brief, but it's storage because especially in the aspect of how we're talking about seeds, it's kind of a survival thing, you know, aside from the fun, uh, it is a survival thing. So one thing you should do if you're trying to save seeds like long term and a lot of seeds will save like 10 years, you know, or, or longer. I mean, they found seeds in like archaeological sites that are thousands of years old. That they managed to grow that ancient watermelon that I got from somebody at mm-hmm. work. They found those seeds or something. And now it's kind of people because people have been saving and sharing them. You know, it's a thing again. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The, like, cool. Seed, seed yeah. Savers Exchange is a whole like place where you will find some amazing heirloom varieties of whatever that you know it's somebody yeah my grand my family's been growing this one bean for three four five six generations whatever it's the only place that it exists and just because they grow tomatoes grow peppers peppers. yeah we've we've got grove peppers here that are regional that grew between the orange groves wild years ago before they started spraying roundup and that's like a thing in the area so there are a lot of really cool things like that which is amazing so just yeah if you do grow something amazing and you save it you preserve it throughout the generations that is just i mean that's amazing genetic diversity and uniqueness that just that kind of stuff gets lost. You know, the, 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 the stuff you get in the grocery store, it's grown because it ships well. That's not a tomato. I won't eat a grocery store tomato. That doesn't taste good to me. Um, it, it's gross. It's grown because it's round. It's red. It kind of looks like a tomato and it ships well. You know, that's why they grow that one. Not because it tastes good, not because it's nutritious. So you can just make life so much more exciting and beautiful by eating things that, you know, nobody else gets to eat or the majority of people don't get to eat. So that's why growing some of these different varieties is really amazing. And when we lose something, you know, it's (sighs) sorry, I'm trying to get on tangent here. (laughs) Um, No, you're fine, fine. You know, just, just anything. It's like with the the Harambe thing, you know, like, okay, like, yeah, like that was a child. I'm not saying you shouldn't have shot the gorilla. I don't know. But when you lose that precious piece of genetic material and something that's so rare, (laughs) it's something that we can't bring back. And that's, 
And I'm not saying I can't even give you a practical reason why we need a gorilla, but it's just if nothing else, it's so heartbreaking that we lose stuff like that. So that's why I really just love saving pieces of genetic material like this that are unique. So, I mean, that's always something that's awesome. And if you like find like a bean that you love, that's rare and you want to grow it and start selling the seeds and putting it back out there, like that is so cool. And I encourage anybody to do that. Um, But back to the point, (laughs) Um, you know, I think it's probably a good idea for everybody to have a nice like vacuum sealed package of assorted seeds that they keep in their freezer that, you know, just so you always have, you know, always you'll have them for quite some time if things get really hard. Um, but, but otherwise just try to save your seeds in a dry location, put a desiccant pack in there, you know, in a Mason jar or something cool, dry in a fridge or freezer is great. Uh, some seeds will say better than others. So you can do your research and your personal hits and misses as to what saves. It'll also help encourage you is what should you grow for seed? Well, something that doesn't save very well might be something to grow for seed every year. So you always have fresh seed, whereas some stuff you might be able to grow it once every five years, you know, for seed and, and, and keep your own. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, a, a cool, a cool dark place and keep it dry and your seeds will hold up a lot better. So that's definitely a record. Don't keep them in your attic. You know, that's silly. Um, but anything you can do to, to preserve them a little, a little better is, is ideal there for sure. Do you think there's any seeds that just don't keep well at all? Like I, I bring this up because the guy that I get seeds from at work, um, he has a peanut peanut butter fruit bush and I'd taken some fruits and saved the seeds. And I, I still have them. I haven't planted them yet. Um, and somebody at the farmer's market was interested in getting some of the seeds from him. And he was like, oh, well, I don't know how well they plant dry. They should be planted right away. And I mean, I don't know how true that is or not. But can you think of any examples? You know, that um, we were doing those lychees a few years ago and oh, had yeah. very poor success. Yeah. But I remember reading those ones. It's like, yeah, you got to get them in the ground pretty quickly, which is kind of a similar fruit. It's a big yeah. seed. With a small, you know, a little bit of fruit around yeah. us. It's kind of similar. So, yeah, I could definitely see that being the case. Uh, oh, point that it escaped me a second ago. But, there's, you know, some seeds do have very specific triggers that grow them. So those triggers aren't met, which might mean they need to be planted immediately. Maybe it's a big meaty seed that ends up rotting away if it doesn't get planted mm-hmm. immediately. You know, uh, um we were talking about cold stratification earlier. That's another benefit of keeping your seeds in the fridge or freezers when you're ready to use them. It simulates springtime because it goes from cold to warm and they may, we might get a better germination rate, but I will go ahead and say now there's probably a few varieties of plant that work the opposite way. And that would probably hinder their, their growth. I can't say what, but there's probably something out there. So as with everything, do your research, but in general, you could say that. So we'll have to follow up with the seed saving part (laughs) too. One of the really amazing things to me about like seeds, I don't know, just nature in general is like, so when, when all the wildflowers in your yard pop up at all the same time, you know, it's like, there's some trigger, uh, you know, the, Maybe the seeds were communicating with each other. I don't think that's the case, but I guess that's possible. But what was that exact temperature, moisture, time of year, day length trigger that told them all to grow at the same time? That's just so amazing to me. You well, know, like with the castor beans, like I read that it like it needs to be warm, mm-hmm. you know, for them to germinate. And like, I don't know, I think it was higher than 70 degrees. Mm-hmm. And um, I think there is something else too. Well, I guess that's the flowers. I was thinking the roselle, but those the flowers won't 
bloom until the days get so short. Yeah, I mean, so, the orange grove next door, all the orange blossoms come. There's 5,000 trees next door, and all the orange blossoms come out on the same day. Like, that's it's it's just incredible, you know, that, that it works like that. And it just really makes you wonder, like, I don't know. I get a little weird with seeds, man, because they're just – there is just some – some mystery of nature in them, you know, it's almost like a perpetual motion machine. that's not supposed to exist, but this little seed has enough energy in it to grow this plant up through an inch of soil, you know, put out its first leaves, get going. And if there's some intelligence ingrained in it, that it knows when and how to do this. It's just, it, it, it's just so it, weird. I'm getting goosebumps. It's freaking insane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember being amazed by the whole process when I first learned about it, you know, in elementary school or whatever mm-hmm. age and where you, you know, in class, they give you a seed to put in a wet paper towel in a Ziploc bag, you know, so you can watch the roots grow and everything. Like, I don't know. I just remember that so clearly and just being like, ah, oh, that's just so awesome. You know? Yeah. One and other- they'll like, go ahead. Oh, uh, um, I was just going to say one other cool thing on that is like when, like, some people do sprouts for animals. So if you live up north and it's wintertime and you can't grow greens for them, you could have just the grain, just the seed, and it has X amount of energy or whatever. You give it to the animals. Okay, that's fine. But if you sprout it and just water, you're not giving any light, you're not giving any nutrients, just water. You sprout those seeds and give them to your animals. They get so much more nutrients out of it. And it's like it's the same thing. You didn't add anything to it. Mm-hmm. It's just incredible. And you're, you're the chemistry person, so you can probably tell me a reason why that mm-hmm. happens and why there's more nutrients afterwards. But it's just, it, yeah, it's just so amazing <laughs> to me, though. Yeah, what I have got? no clue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure at all. Like they, they usually like accompany those, uh, like seed discussions with like, um, the whole what is alive versus what is not alive and like you have mm. a seed is the seed alive and then you plant it and then it grows and that plant is definitely alive and it's just yeah it's like there's something that happens and there's something that already exists within it like it's just mind-boggling uh, and one of those mysteries that like uh, i don't care how smart of a scientist you are you, you don't got the answer to that you, you know? don't know <laughs> we just we just don't it's, it's uh, that's the part of the universe that we just we're not there yet on figuring it out you know maybe it's just good water don't let your plants talk you into giving them brondo <laughs> water <laughs> it's what plants crave yeah, that's what i hear I just don't know if I believe that, but the TV said so. so <laughs> and it's in the future, so they're obviously really smart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if I had anything else I wanted to talk about seeds. I think we covered a lot of things. Anything else that you wanted to add or forgot? We covered storage. We covered um, specific conditions on seed saving. We covered why you should save seeds. You heard me get really emotional about that. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I don't know. What you guys got any other questions? What you got resonance? Um, I don't I don't think I have very many questions in regards to seed saving. Um however, I, I was gonna bring something else up and now I forgot what it was. Sorry, the baby woke up, so I'm nursing okay. while we're here. <laughs> Um, well, if I don't already have a code for you guys, a promo code for Agorist Acres, um, we will get one up. And then if anybody wants to use it, you know, any yes. of y'all's listeners, they can get a discount. And Speaking help, of that, help I wanted to. Process. Yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about because you got us chickpeas and you got mm-hmm. us sugar beets. And mm-hmm. we've had so many seeds from you guys and always had a phenomenal uh, germination rate with all of them. 
So I just wanted to like put that out there. Like if you guys want seeds, contact these guys. Um, if you're, you know, just interested in getting started in gardening and you don't know, you think you're going to go to Lowe's or Ace Hardware. No, don't do that. Just call them. Um, or, you know, go online, agristacres.org and hit them up. It is dot com. Um, oh, it is dot com. Um, yeah, oh, it sorry. Is dot com. Yeah. No, all, all good. All good. Um, <laughs> yeah. And we are, our prices are, you know, the same as a packet of seeds. Typically they're reasonable and free shipping on orders over 20 bucks. So, you know, even if it's just a few things you need, you know, you don't got to get built out of shipping or anything. So we make it easy. And even though he is my husband, husband, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> husband. I can't speak so good sometimes. <laughs> um, he volunteered to sponsor our show, so I guess it'd be a good time to announce that. I've been kind of slacking on getting a an ad read, but we'll get it up there. And because uh, I think it's, I think everybody should get back to gardening and get their hands dirty. It's just so good for you. <laughs> Yeah, I'm growing that that cabbage and the sugar beets and the parsnips out in the outer garden right now. So let me know how you do with the parsnips. I've tried them a couple times and I don't know if it's just where we are or what, but I didn't have good luck with parsnips. Um, Okay, so so I dropped like maybe five or six seeds when I was trying to plant them. And I have like a bush of parsnip greens in Mm, one spot. So. happens. Sweet. <laughs> it, it is I, so I think weird, they're doing like, okay. <laughs> I'm sure you've experienced this where like you have seeds and like you plant a whole bunch and not a single one comes up and you're like, what the heck? And like, is this bad seeds or what? And then like a month later you plant them or, and you get like a great crop of it. And it's like, what? Again, talking about those triggers. It's like, what was the thing that right. either Something made happened. these guys grow? Yeah. Or didn't make those guys grow. And that's all. That's how you get better. I guess it's figuring it out. <laughs> Yeah, that knowledge up from experience. Yeah, but but sometimes things like that happen, and it's just like, well, that's weird. And it gets frustrating too. Like, so if that happens to you, don't give up. Just keep trying, Mm -hmm. because sometimes you'll plant a whole field of something, and you know you'll get like one or two plants that shoot up, and then you put in like hours of work, and you got to do it all again, and and it's okay to go have a cry and then try again, (laughs) because don't give up. Yeah, this made me think too about how like different maybe things are today as opposed to you know i don't know 100 years ago or something like families did so much more of their own food production and that knowledge was passed down you know through generation and generation and then i don't know whenever family you know the children started going off to college instead of running the family farm and now it just feels like there's such a disconnect between you know, the younger generation. And I mean, for us, I mean, it's it's all really been Mm -hmm. trial and error. We lived in the suburbs, you know, up until we got the farm. And it's just been really learning through experience. But I feel like to have that knowledge passed down from you just really gives you a leg up and you just don't Mm -hmm. see that as much anymore these days. Right. I know like, what, four years ago in 2018 was when, uh, with the end of 2018, we moved here. And so spring of 2019 is when we started growing stuff. But before that, I would tell people like, I have a black thumb. I can't grow anything. Everything I touch dies. And like, I mean, it's, it's not really changed. If I try to grow specific things, a lot of, a lot of times that happens, but I throw out like 82 okra seeds and I get 12 full grown okra plants that produce okra for me. And it's enough for me and my family. And that's Mm -hmm. good for me, you know? Yeah. Like I, I just 
I'm not going to give up and I'm going to make it work. So like if you have enough seeds and you can throw them out and you have the space for it, mm-hmm. keep, keep going. It, well, just like anything in life, like you learn more from your failures than your successes, mm-hmm. right? Like you, you read a book about something to get you going in the right direction. But one thing I've learned is you can read books all day until you, yes. you know, you, you want to, I don't want to get in and mess this up. And it's like, well, you know what? That's what you got. You can read four books, yeah. but you're going to get in. You're going to mess up the first time or two, but then you're going to be better. You know, um, yeah, yeah. Really like with yeah. the soap, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and my ginger bug, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And gardening is definitely like the like epitome of that whole idea because like you'll kill more plants than live. You know, overall, right? You can't control yeah. the weather, and a lot of times mm-hmm. it's a weather thing. You know, got a, a early or late freeze unexpected, you, yeah. or you know how many times we planted before the last freeze, and I've like had to restart cucumber plants like two years in a row that happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now yep. it's like we get our last freeze right before Mother's Day, so I don't plant until after Mother's Day. And every year, sex like, hey, we should plant cucumbers now, and I'm like, a oh, hell no, <laughs> we are yeah, not planting let- cucumbers till after Mother's Day. <laughs> Yeah, don't let anybody t- try to tell you that gardening isn't hard. It's, I mean, it's a lot of work between the planting and then the harvesting and the watering and, you know, preservation. And, you know, but I don't know. It's it's rewarding, though. Ooh, then you start it's getting worth like it your... to be not, not relying on the state supply chains. Like, it's worth mm-hmm. it for that reason independently. Like, that and then the nutrition value. Mm-hmm. Especially with inflation and, you know, everybody's feeling it in their wallets at the grocery store. Yeah. Of course, you know, you're not really getting much good food there anyways, or just keep paying more for more shit. Well, you know, I had a thought you had mentioned when you were talking about the moving away from the farms, like, you know, generational knowledge mm-hmm. and people, you know, farming getting more um, efficient. Therefore, you know, we don't always need people to do it. But there's also probably a relatively direct correlation between the quality of food that we get from the farms, too. You know, when we we're so far away from our food system altogether that, you know, it's just the general quality of what we get is so poor. So doing it ourselves ensures that that higher quality. And, you know, we were just talking this morning with the roommate too. Like what is it, you know, like, let's say like the, you know, the, like the autism and stuff that, you know, is supposedly increasing, you know, is it that we see it more because of testing is more prevalent or whatever, or is there something causing an increase in that, you know, be it pharmaceuticals or the food or whatever. And I could just see it being a combination of everything. I mean, we eat nutritionally deficient food, you know, we only eat corn. And when I say we, of course, the general, you know, U.S. population, um, you know, we only eat corn, boatloads of sugar, you know, it's just, there's just so much that's so awful that it's like it's a miracle we live to the ages that we live to these days it's a miracle our lifespan is higher than it was you know a couple hundred years ago in all, in all honesty it's just it's crazy uh, right but, yeah the, but, like the only reason is because of the like medical tech and the prescriptions they throw at you to mm-hmm. Well, like alive. <laughs> medical medical tech. I mean, I have hardware in my body that is there's a lot of alive, good uses for medical know? tech. Yeah, I'm not but, I'm not dissing yeah, it entirely. But, but some but of the farm, it's just so unnecessary that you make a drug that you wouldn't even need that drug if someone would just eat properly. You right. Know? Even it's, just turning birth into a medical emergency these mm-hmm. days, you know, so unnecessarily. I went in. I went in with my first daughter. I had a midwife, and I went in, and I had to go to the hospital because she was two weeks post dates and the midwife wouldn't deliver her. But like mm. the whole time I was pregnant with her, that was all I kept saying is I'm not sick. Yeah. Like I don't need to go to the doctor. I'm not sick. I'm doing exactly what my body's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
like I'm seeing somebody who's over like overviewing the progress and making sure that nothing's going wrong, but I don't need to see somebody who's going to intervene, you know? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, unless there, I mean, obviously there are instances, you right, know, yeah. Where, but, but yeah, I mean, generally people haven't had a problem having kids like they No, I mean, if they did, <laughs> we wouldn't be time. here. Dropping <laughs> yeah. out in the turtle heads. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we, I mean, we used to live in the, in the forests, like, you know, before we had like civilization of people, you know, people or whatever you want to call us back then we're having kids you know in the woods when people so. don't even know that they're pregnant you know, oh, that's, like, that's still um, just a mystery to me. To, yeah i know <laughs> obviously that person's living a pretty unhealthy life right. in the first place well, but yeah well, a lot of people are <laughs> that's the truth that's true i guess that was a little tangent too yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's okay we're good at those well, I did tell Dave that he could talk about his lock picking ventures if he wanted to, but I think we're good on time, so perhaps we can turn that into another episode yeah, one day. Yeah, why don't yeah. we do another episode of that, and I'll be a little better then, yeah. um, a little more knowledgeable, and I'm no pro by any means, but it is a lot of fun, and it is surprisingly easy to learn, and I think a could possibly be a very valuable skill that can save lives, so I would love to talk about that uh, okay. in the future if you guys would have me on to, to discuss it. Yes. Yeah, that'll give me some time to pick it up and try again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you could probably rake open a couple locks while we're on the podcast. Well, <laughs> yeah. we will be together in like a week and a half, mm-hmm. and we can all have a lock picking party. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. That'd be great. We could do a little like a little brief beforehand, get some skills, and then we could talk about it. Well, uh, if we want, how do you guys want to do it? Well, I think we're going to talk about um, something else, but I guess it'll leave it to be a surprise. Yeah, no worries. Cool. <laughs> do you want to give a preview? What do you think? No, no, let's keep it a surprise. Yeah, you okay. gotta tease them. Okay. <laughs> So, do you want to plug your shit? Sure. Um, so, agorastakers.com. Uh, obviously, check us out. We'll, um, do I have a promo code for you guys? I know you just asked that. I don't know if we actually gave one. Yeah, I don't think we one. do. We'll, we'll, we'll come up with one, unless you want to throw one out there now. It could be anything. Uh, but, yeah, ch- check us out on there. And if you want to pay with crypto, that's great. There's a few of them that are on there that are nice, or e- nice and easy. We use AnyPay. If there's another crypto that you see up there that you want to pay – or, I'm sorry, that you don't see up there that you want to pay with, just shoot me a message. I'll accept pretty much any crypto. Worst case, I'll just exchange – I'll have you send it right to the exchange, and I'll exchange it for what I like. So no worries there. Um, but, yeah, just get with me. If there's anything you don't see on there that you want, holler at me. I will do my best to get it, uh, assuming that's possible. We've got several things that I've still yet to get on the site, so we're always adding new stuff, so you can always check back with us. Uh, otherwise, uh, if you want to check out uh, agoristnexus.com, I co-host the Agorist Nexus podcast, and we also have a great directory there of liberty-based businesses. So if you have a hustle, if you have a business and you want some free advertising, feel free to scoot on over there and put a listing. Uh, again, that's free, and it'll get you some exposure. Uh, we also have some great podcast articles, all sorts of cool agorist content over there. <gasps> um, if you're local and you want to buy pasture-raised chicken from us, we're in Central Florida. I don't really want to give out the name of my farm on here, but just holler at me, and I will get you chicken. So that's that. All right, cool. Do you want to do your, your stuff? Yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter at Mother of Chaos, and that's X-A-O-S. And I'm at E underscore agorist on Twitter. And you can follow the show on Twitter at let's make some SHH. Do you want to say something else? Oh, yeah. I was going to say I'm at daggerist on everything. So dag, the agorist, daggerist. That's me. All right. Well, keep making shit. See you guys next week. Peace. Peace.